Hey, what's up? My name is Stephen, and I lead Avenue Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, along with my wife and an incredible team. We really have a desire to see people experience God's unconditional love, find their true identity in Christ, and live out their purpose. And we would love to connect with you. You can find us on all social media platforms simply by searching Our Avenue Church. You can also check us out online by going to OurAvenueChurch.com. We really pray that something in this message inspires and equips you to experience the way of life you were created to live in Christ. Enjoy. In case some of you guys are new here today, my name is Stephen. Uh, my wife, Jennifer, and I, along with an incredible team, um, lead here at Avenue Church. We'd love for you to be a part of that team. If it's something that you feel God's calling you to do, or maybe you've been just attending for a while, we would really uh, like for you to move beyond attending to be a part, right? It's easy to come in and enjoy the music and sit down and hear a good word, but let me tell you, something happens when you jump on and you start being a part of what's going on here. And so just honor that you would spend your morning with us. I know there's a lot of things you could be doing on Sunday morning. You could be sleeping in, having brunch, but you know what? You made it. Say, I made it. You made it. And so here's what we want to do. We want to invite you, um, if this is your first, second, or seventh time to do this, text the word Avenue Connect to 97,000. We've kind of changed up how we're doing our digital connection card. We're running everything through this now. So when you text that, you're going to get a link to a link tree or kind of a flow page. It's got our connection card on there at the very top. This is the easiest way for us to stay connected with you. So if any contact information has changed or maybe you haven't given us that information yet because you're like, I don't know you, right? Well, hopefully you've been visiting a while and now you can trust us with your um, private information. Now, we really want to be able to stay connected with you. So in case we have another snowstorm, we can let you know, hey, we're not having service. We are having service. There's also an opportunity for you to give on there as well. That's the easiest way to do that. It's just to click on that link. And then next week, we're going to start registration and signups for our men's and women's Bible studies and some other stuff that we're going to be doing over the next several months. And so this is going to be the easiest way for us to stay connected with you. So if you are a guest, we want to invite you also on your way out. Stop by our Connection Center, our Connection Tent, or actually we didn't set the tent up today. So it's in the hallway. We've got a gift card for you from Just Love Coffee, and we've also got a coffee mug for you just to say thanks for hanging with us. And so so we're in the middle of a four-week series. We've got one left after today called Relationship Status. And so we're taking a look at the different relationships that we have within our life, not just our dating and our spouses, but we started with week one looking at our relationship with God's Word because the relationship we have with that really directs every other foundational relationship in our life. And then last week we took a look at the relationship with our spouse that we need to level up, whether you're married, engaged, dating, or waiting. There are things that you can put in place right now um, that will help strengthen your marriage, whether you're currently married or engaged to be married or just waiting. But there are things that if we can love the Lord, our God, with all of our heart, our soul, and our strength, we can do that with our spouse as well. So if you missed those two messages, we're working really hard at getting our podcast up. We're really close to having that done. Should be up this week live on Spotify and iTunes. And it's not so that we can say, 
hey, look at Avenue Church. It's for you guys. So if you miss a week, um, you can go back and listen, or maybe you need to go back and listen to something again or pass it on to a friend that you think could um, learn something or grow stronger as a result of that. So it's going to be posted on our social media. We'll let you know when it goes live. This week it should be there. All right, so turn to Proverbs chapter 13 and kind of bookmark your uh, Bible with your little whatever this is called, your strength. Um, Proverbs chapter 13, and we're going to look at a passage of scripture. This week, um, the sermon is the one where we talk about your friends. And for those of you who are maybe friends, connoisseurs, you know that all of their episodes start with the one about or the one with. So this is the sermon with the one where we talk about your friends. And we're not talking about Ross, Ross and Rachel and Phoebe and Monica. Um, or maybe Friends isn't your show, you're an Office fan. I was kind of an Office fan. Any Office fans? Come on. Yeah. yeah. Ah, see, look at that. Yeah, Office fans, we rule the world. See, my wife and I, we have this conversation. I got really excited just now because we have this conversation that, that Office is better than Friends, and she thinks no because that one whole camera angle just throws her off, but thank you. I just proved that Office is better than Friends, so... So here's, here's the deal. We want to talk about our relationships because our relationships and our friendships, they guide and direct. You may have heard some sayings, and we'll see if you guys know these, that um, birds of a feather do what? Good job. You've heard that. And so my pastor always had this saying that buzzards flock around dead things, eagles soar above things. And so you got to look at your friends. Are you flocking over dead things or are you soaring with eagles above things? And then in West Tennessee, we had this saying that if you run with dogs, you get. I cannot believe nobody has heard that. We've got one. If you run with dogs, you're going to get fleas. Somebody said tired first service. You get that as well. But when you run with dogs, you will get their fleas. And then we also had this saying, if you can't run with the big dogs, stay on the porch. Come on, I'm educating you guys today. <laughs> I'm making you so. So those are all like kind of like, like aphorisms or whatever that was. These are sayings that actually come from a scripture in Proverbs from Solomon. And he makes this statement. And this is really the way he says it. He says, if you walk with the wise, you become wise. A companion of fools suffers harm. And when we say those things, birds of a feather flock together. You run with dogs, you get fleas and those things. What he's saying is, is your relationship circles determine your direction. And I know in my life and probably in your life, when I got in trouble as a teenager or a college student, I was really with people who were making poor decisions and I was following along with them, right? Is I was at the wrong place at the wrong time, but it was most definitely with the wrong people. Anybody tracking with me, right? Had I not been there with them, I wouldn't have been doing what they were doing. I would have been doing something completely different. And what I'm finding out as I get older, it's, it's not that I'm following bad advice, is I'm not following good advice. Because I have some friends around me now that are giving me good advice, but I'm not following it because I think that I know more or I don't want to do what they're telling me I should do. And so when we were getting ready to have our third child, we needed something with a third row. And the most predominant vehicle that a large family drives that has a third row is a what? Minivan. And I was not going to be that guy who was driving a minivan right? I was already going to have three daughters. I don't need to be driving around a minivan. And so my friend, like I've wanted to get a GMC Acadia. 
I had one picked out. It had, you know, it had rims. It had leather. It had a third row. It had the drop-down DVD player. That's what I was going. And he was like, dude, let me tell you, I've had one of those. And it caused me a lot of trouble. Just going ahead and get the minivan. You're going to hate it, but you're going to love it. Guess what? I didn't listen to him. I bought the GMC Acadia, and for two and a half years, I spent so much money on that car. Guess what I'm driving now? A minivan. (laughs) I could have saved so much time, so much headache if I'd have just listened, but I let my pride get in the way of listening to good advice. And this is what I'm finding out Like as we get older. When we're we're younger and we're teenagers and, and college students, we tend to gravitate towards the bad advice. But when we get older, we tend to ignore the good advice. Am I right? Because we think we have a better way or we know a better way. And so here's, here's the truth. Most anthropologists and sociologists and psychologists, they say this, that we are the average of our three to five closest friends. That if you look at your three to five closest friends, who you are is going to be an average of that. So if you look at yourself financially, you're going to be the average of the three to five closest friends on how they are financially. The same physically and how they are health-wise. The same how they are relationally. So here's what I want you to do. I want you real quick just to take a minute and write down your three to five closest friends. Like really write them down. I want you to think. Just hit pause for a moment. Put it, put it in notes on your phone. Write it on your hand. Write it somewhere. And I want you to think. I want you to think about those friends. And I want you to think about their life. I want you to think about where they are financially. I want you to think about where they are in their marriage. I want you to think about, like, what's their health? Where are they in their career? And then when you look at your life, you will see that you're going to fall somewhere in the middle. And and what happens is, is that puts us in a place where we can look at those further along from us and be like, oh, man, I really wish I could be there. But then we can look at those that aren't quite as far along as what we are. And we say, well, at least I'm not there. We put ourselves in that comparison trap. And you will find that you're the average of those relationships. And that's why when we say that birds of a feather flock together, that those who walk with the wise grow what? Wise. Those who are companions with fools suffer harm. And so like it or not, you are the average of your friends. And most of us really only have two to three closest friends at the most. And we have a lot of acquaintances. We have a lot of people that, that are maybe outside of our circle. But I'm finding the older I get, and maybe you, that I have fewer friends, but those friends are definitely much closer. And so I want to talk about those friends today. And there's this, there's this cool principle that I found out as I was studying. This guy named Reuben Dunbar. And he's this British anthropologist. And he kind of has this principle. It's called the Dunbar Principle. Pretty creative name, right? And so he has this principle, and he says that, that as humans, you and I, we can only connect with about 150 people. That literally that's about all the relationships we can handle. And some of those are close relationships. Some of those are acquaintances. Some of those are loose relationships. And we kind of know their name. We know a little bit about their story. But totally 150 people. And even for those of us who have, you know, maybe 1,200, 1,500, 2,000 Facebook friends or Instagram followers. You may have those, but I promise you, if you were to look through your feed and who you interact with the most, in addition to the people that you interact with face-to-face, it's going to be about 150 people. And so he says, that's kind of big picture. And then if we were to take our relationships down and shrink them a little bit, then he says there's about 50 people that you let in a little bit closer. 
And if you go into another circle, there's about 12 to 15 that you interact with on, say, a weekly basis. Like maybe you've shared some, some dinners with them or some lunches with them. You go to church with them. You're in a small group with them. You've had some, you've let them in a little bit more. And so we're kind of going outside all the way in. And then kind of the intimate circle is about two to three friends. And so this is where I kind of geeked out as, as, as a Bible nerd, is that when you look at the life of Jesus and how he lived, he lived in the exact same way. So this is science describing what Jesus did. So he ministered to the crowds. He had, you know, 150, 200 people following around all the time. But then in Luke, we see that he had 70 disciples that he sent out for the first time. But then he had, what, the 12 that he spent the most time with, but then even beyond the 12, guess who he had? He had Peter, James, and John. And so in your life, you have those people that you kind of see on the outskirts, the 150 that you kind of see, and then you know, you go down and you have a few more. And I want us to really hone in to those three, those three to five that you may have in your life, those friends that you need actually in your life to help you be successful. Because it is getting harder. Even pre-COVID, it was difficult to make friends. It's difficult to maintain relationships. Would you guys agree that in today's culture and by today's standards and with our schedules, it is much more difficult to maintain relationships? And I really think it's two areas that, that cause us to struggle in this. One is, is um, increased work hours. Because used to, when you were off and you were home, you were off, right? But with today's technology and with the business world and with the education world, when you're off, you're not really off because we have this guy that we can, yeah, I've gotten six emails in the last 30 minutes, right? And I'm working, but I'm still working. And even when you're at home and you're off, how many of you take breaks from being home to work a little bit? A lot of us. We take breaks from being home and we work a little bit while we're supposed to be off. And so what's happening is it's taking time away from building relationships, whether it's within, you know, our family or within our, our friendships. And to be honest, like there are times when I feel guilty for taking off because there's so much that has to be done, especially with starting a new church. And for those of you who are teachers or educators or, or you know, uh, real estate workers, real estate agents, you guys are just like working all the time now. There's no off schedule for you, whether it's Saturday, Sunday, or the evening. And so our increased workload takes away time from us being able to build relationships with people. And the second thing is this, and I would agree, social media. Social media, and like we can stand on this soapbox all day long on different areas, but let's be honest, we all spend more time on it than what we should. And what, what social media is doing is, is we're tired, and so instead of investing in a real face-to-face -face relationship, we scroll through our feed, and we like and we comment. And when we receive those likes and those comments, we get this false sense of security within that relationship, like that relationship is growing, but really it's just a heart and it's a thumbs up. Like it's, it's very shallow. And, and what is happening with social media is it is causing us to broaden our reach of people, but it is shallowing our depth with people. Is, is we, we feel like we can reach further, but we're not going deeper. And as a result, like I would think that we are not as healthy 
individually as we should be in our relationships. And there's actually, like, if you read different statistics, there's anywhere from 15 to 25% people feel like they don't have anyone they can call on as a friend. And in order for us to move forward, guys, into what God's calling us to or what we feel like we're supposed to accomplish, we need people around us to help us get there. Because just as we get in trouble by the people that we're around or we don't listen to, we, our successes are also built and based by the right people that we have in our life. And I promise you, like if you were to think of, of where you are as far as what you're pursuing and what you've accomplished and who you are as a man, as a woman, as a husband, as a wife, you can look to also relationships that have poured into you because of that, right? And so we have a responsibility to maintain those relationships, to be poured into. But guess what? We also have a responsibility to pour that out into someone else. And so I want to look through the life of David and how he grew to where he was. David was the second king of Israel. We've talked about him before. He was the second king of Israel. And he didn't get there on his own. And so we'll look at three pieces of his story. But then we'll also hear some advice from his son, who I believe got this advice because he saw it lived out in his dad. And so... We're going to look in 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16. And so David is not yet quite king here. As a matter of fact, he's just a boy. He hasn't even killed Goliath at this point. And there was this prophet, this priest in 1 Samuel chapter 16 named Samuel. And he's the one who anointed Saul to be the first king. And Saul just really messed up. He didn't obey what God was calling him to do. He, he just did not do. And so there's a passage of scripture that Samuel has to tell Saul that the kingdom of Israel has been ripped from your hands this day. And it took some time for that to play out. And God was setting David up to be the next king to replace Saul. And so this is, we'll, we'll look in verse one and then some passages will be on the screen. It says, now the Lord said to Samuel, you have mourned long enough for Saul I have rejected him as king of Israel, so fill your flask with oil and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be my king. And so Samuel says, look, go to Bethlehem, find this man named Jesse, one of his sons is going to be my king. So Samuel does that. He goes and he finds Jesse and he says, look, can you bring me your sons? I need to take a look at them. I need to, I, I need to, to speak with them. And so when we look at how this plays out, the first son comes in verse 6. It says, when they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab, which was the first son, and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. And verse 7 will be on the screen. It says, but the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the what? The Lord looks at the heart. And so Jesse told his son Abinadab and so to step forward. And so we see that, that, that Samuel goes through each son. He thinks, maybe this is it. And God's like, nope, that's not it. Maybe this is him. And he's like, no, that's not either. And so finally Samuel's like, do you have anyone else? And Jesse says, yeah, the youngest, but he's out in the field. Samuel says, send for him. And then when David steps before Samuel, this is what the Lord says. The Lord said to Samuel, this is the one, anoint him. So David stood there among his brothers. Samuel took the oil and anointed him. And it says the spirit of the Lord came upon him that day. Here's what Samuel was doing. Samuel was a friend 
who was calling out the best in David. See, you need a friend, the one that's going to call out the best. Because even David's dad didn't see the best in David. David's dad had sent him to the field to watch the sheep. And David's dad brought all of his other brothers who were taller, who were stronger, who looked the part. But God wasn't looking for someone who looked the part, but he was looking for someone who had the heart. And see, we need someone a friend that can look to us and call out the best in us. Not someone who's going to tell us everything that we need to fix. We do need those, and we'll talk about those in a moment. But how many of us know that we have an inner critic that's loud enough we don't need an outer critic? Right? We need someone that's going to call out the best in us and speak to that. To see in us what we can't see in ourselves. To see in us what God sees in us. And really, that's, I was talking with Chris after last service. That's what the enemy's trying to do all the time is to rob the identity that God's already given us. And even if you look in, in Genesis at the fall, that's what it was all about. When, when God told Adam and Eve not to eat of the fruit, and then Eve is looking at the fruit, and Satan's like, but did God really say not to eat of the fruit? The reason why he doesn't is because he's afraid you'll be like him. But what Eve had forgotten is she was already created in God's image. And see, we lose our identity, and we need those around us to call that back out in us, to remind us who we are, and to remind us whose we are. And so David had Samuel to call out the best, and this is what Solomon said as a result of that, his son in Proverbs 27, 17. It says, as iron sharpens iron, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Who do you have? What friend in your life do you have that can sharpen you, that can call out the best in you? The second friend that we need in our life is the one who strengthens our faith. The one who strengthens our faith. And so we kind of go on with, with David's journey, right? So he's, he's, he's anointed, he kills Goliath, and then um, he becomes one of King Saul's servants. He spends time as his musician playing the harp he spends time as his general as his warrior killing giants killing philistines and then people start celebrating david's victories and saul gets jealous and it's the beginning of the end for saul and saul instead of caring for david then begins to chase after david attempting to kill david he becomes jealous of david chases him out of town and he's hiding this great man of god is hiding because of an enemy that is is chasing him and so we look in first samuel chapter 23 david's in hiding and in verse 15 it says one day near horesh david received the news that saul was on his way to ziph to search for him and to kill him now, Jonathan went to find David and encourage him to stay strong in his faith in God. Don't be afraid. Now, here's what you need to know about Jonathan. In case you don't know, Jonathan is actually Saul's son, who was supposed to be next in line to be king. But because of his relationship to David, he realized and saw in David that he was supposed to be the next king. So instead of getting jealous like his dad, Jonathan comes to David and encourages him to stay strong in his faith. It's one thing to be reminded of who you are, but we also at times need to be reminded of who God is. That if he did it once, he can do it now, and he can do it again. And we need people that's going to strengthen our faith. 
no matter how spiritually mature we may consider ourselves, guys, some of you in here may have been walking with Jesus, you know, since you were five years old. I started when I was 12, then when I was 18, I wanted to take a break. <laughs> we were on a break, right? I wanted to take a break and wanted to, <laughs> gotcha, right? I felt like God and I needed to take a break. Things weren't going my way. He wanted to do things his way, and I wasn't, I wasn't having that. And so I walked away for a couple of years. And, and even as a pastor now, and you, you, you look at me on a stage, and just because I'm leading a church and I'm on a microphone and reading from God's word, there's still times when I need people to say, you know what, continue to have faith. So it doesn't matter how spiritually mature you think you are. We always need somebody to come find us. David was hiding because someone was after him. And Jonathan came and said, look, just stay strong. And sometimes that's all we need is just someone to say, look, stay strong. I know it's rough right now, but just stay strong because he brought you out of this once. He can bring you out of it again. Proverbs 17, 17. This is Solomon's take on it. David's son, he says, a friend loves at all times, and I love this. It says, a brother is born in times of adversity. See, when you go through things together, you get stronger together. Some of my closest friends are those that we fought some battles together, like, like we went through some wars together. We had some disagreements, and, you know, we with each other and then with other people, or maybe he saw me in my worst and he carried me through it because it's in those seasons you grow stronger. And I can't remember if it's the Green Berets or if it's the, the, the Marines, but there's this saying that they have, and I, I read this in a Henry Cloud book um, called The Power of the Other is the name of the book, if you guys are readers. And he talks about that they train them to ask three questions. Whenever they're dropped down in, in enemy territory, they always have to assess their situation with three questions. One, where is the enemy? Two, where am I? And three, where's my buddy? And really, they flip the script, and you answer the last question first. You want to answer, where's my buddy? And that's, that's who's with you. Because it doesn't matter where you're at as much or where the enemy is as much as it does who's with you. Because when you know who's with you, you can face more with them than you can alone. Solomon speaks to that in Ecclesiastes. He says, if one falls by himself, he's in trouble. But he's got someone there with him, he has someone to help him. Two accomplishes more than just one. And so we have to have those people in our lives that, that, that strengthen our faith. And I say that because when we go through things like those that are on, on the launch team and as we we're, we're building our serve team and our A team, like we were complete strangers for the most part like eight months ago. And now I consider some of these people my closest friends because we were trying to plan a church in a pandemic when there's no location, when nobody wants to even go to church. because they're, So we went through all of this and now like when I hear them talk, it's like I feel like I've known them forever. And so here's what we want for you guys. We want you to experience that. And so we're in a battle. We sing about it. We're in a battle. The victory's already ours. We're still fighting. People are lost and dying and going to hell. They're in broken relationships. Their heart's broken. So we're fighting a battle with them. And you want to grow in a relationship with people? Come fight the battle with us. Now, Sunday mornings, like, it's work. Like, we're setting up at 6 o'clock, and I bring biscuits. So if you love biscuits, you can come eat some biscuits. And Okay, you need more than biscuits. All right, guys. Make a note. We've got to do steak. All right, steak and biscuits. But when you serve together, you find yourselves sharing stories. 
you find yourselves finding out, oh, you too? I thought that was just me. And you grow and you strengthen in your faith as you're fighting battles together and as you're serving together. And I love this. A friend loves at all times, but a brother, a brother is born in adversity. The third friend we need is this. The one, and you guys aren't going to like this one, okay? So brace yourself. The one who tells the truth. Not just sugarcoats it, but tells the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And it was Jack Nicholas that said decades ago, you can't handle the truth. The truth is we need the truth, right? And so fast forward even further in David's story. David is king at this point. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, 2 Samuel chapter 12, David is king. And the scripture says that it is the springtime. This is chapter 11, the story here. It says, in the springtime of the year, when kings are out to war, David stays home. And David finds himself walking around midday on top of the roof, and he looks over and he sees a woman taking a bath. And I joked earlier, it's like he might have been praying. He wasn't praying hard enough, all right? Because he looks over and he sees a woman taking a bath and he takes an interest in her and he calls her over to his house and has an affair with her. She's a married woman. And the relationship doesn't end. As a fact, it gets a little more murky because she becomes pregnant after that one event. And it's time for her husband to come home from war and David's like freaking out. I got to fix this. We've all had those situations in life. We're like, man, i got to cover this up quick, right? Because I don't want anybody to, figure, to find out. This, this is a big deal. So he has this plan. All right, she's pregnant, so I'm going to send him home to sleep with her. And so maybe, just maybe, they'll think it's his kid and not mine. Well, Uriah, which is Bathsheba's husband, has a little more integrity than that because his men are out on the front lines. He's like, I can't go sleep in the bed when they're sleeping in the dirt, so I'm going to sleep at my front door. And David's like, what am I going to do? I got I to gotta fix this. And so he decides to put him on the front line where the, 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 the fighting is the hottest. And he says, when it gets really, really difficult, everybody back up. So maybe Uriah gets killed. Guess what happens? Uriah gets killed. Well, David thinks he's covered it up. He has with everybody around him. But guess who saw it? The Lord the one who put him in that position. And so God speaks to this guy named Nathan. And Nathan goes to tell the king, I know what you did. So Nathan the prophet went to David and he tells him the story. He tells him, he, he doesn't come right out. He's like, I know what you did. No, he tells him a story. He says, look, there's two men in the city. One was rich, one was poor. The rich guy had lots of sheep. The poor guy only had one. It came time for a party. The rich guy took the poor man's sheep and served it as a meal. And David just gets furious. He's like, who is this? We have to punish this man and show no mercy. And Nathan steps forward and says, you are that man. See, we need some people in our life, guys, who are going to say, you're the man, but not like you're the man. <laughs> like, not, not like aloe black, you're the man, but like somebody like, you're the man. You've made some decisions that aren't right. And you've tried to cover it up. And how many of you know, like, to go to the king and give that news, like, that, that could be a life sentence, right? You may walk in there, but you may not walk out. But the difference is David's heart was right. And so he received it. So what friend do you have in your life that can tell you the truth even when it's difficult? 
even when you know or even when they know that it could put the relationship at jeopardy based on how you receive it. We need a friend like that in our life that can say, you know what, you're the man, you've messed up, let's take care of this. And, and here's why. As a result of Nathan coming forward to speak to David, in that moment, David realized he had sinned and he repented. Had Nathan not gone to him, David would have thought, I've got this covered up. But David repented and was restored. Now, there were still consequences. There will always be consequences to sin, right? My mom always used to tell me, be sure your sins will find you out. It's crazy how moms know everything, right? Whatever I tried to cover up, mom knew God's the same way. He sees it. And we need people in our lives to remind us of that. And that's what David was doing. Had David not repented, the consequences would have been much worse. And he would have continued living separated from God. God forgave him. So we need that. And so this is, this is what Solomon says, David's son. He says, Proverbs 27, verse 5 through 6. It says, an open rebuke is better than hidden love. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. Wounds are better than a, from a sincere friend than many kisses from an enemy. See, sometimes... Um, Love can harm us, but not harming us can wound us. Let me, let me explain this a little bit. When someone points something out that hurts, that causes harm in the moment, but that heals. But if they don't, they can permanently wound us. Does that make sense? And that they can cripple us. If they don't come and... and I love how the message puts it. It says slaps from a friend are better than kisses from an enemy. And sometimes we need our sense slapped back into us, right? So who do you have that can speak the truth when it needs to be spoken? So we need these friends, these three friends. The one who calls out the best in us, the one who strengthens us spiritually, and the one who tells us the truth. And we need to get in those relationships. We need to get in those friendships. And we're going to do that with a PPO network, not like the insurance, all right? Not the prefer preferred provider, whatever. But PPO, it stands for this. The first one is this, is we need to give permission. To have someone in your life that can encourage you, that can build you up, that can tell the truth, you have to give them permission. You just can't assume that they know they can do that because they probably won't. And here's what, what science and psychology tells us, that when we give someone permission to give us feedback, we are more open to receive it because we've already opened the door. And so that's why it's so important to have that conversation with someone, whether it's your three, your five, or whatever. Maybe you've not had that conversation, but you need to level up on your relationship with them and grow strong. You need to have that conversation and say, look, you know, I'm giving you permission. I'm giving you, we use this term, refrigerator rights. You guys have those friends, right? That they can just walk into your house at any time and open up the fridge and get whatever's in there. One of my youth leaders way back in the day when we were living in Adamsville, he had those rights. He would come in and he always loved coming in because like we didn't have any kids at that point and we just had like snack packs, like jello, chocolate jello all the time. And like that was the that was our staple. And so he always came in, knew he could open their fridge and get get a jello pack. And so what people do you have in your life that they have refrigerator rights? Who have you given permission to encourage? And, and here's, here's the truth as well. 
We have to give them the permission to speak the truth as far as correcting us, but we also have to give them permission to encourage us. And that's not for them, that's for you. Because a lot of times we don't receive the encouragement like we should. Does that make sense? We don't receive it because we don't think we deserve it. We think they're just lying to us to make us feel better. So you have to give them permission. Second one is this, is you have to be present. Give permission, be present. Spend time face-to-face. And if you can't do face-to-face, I almost said FaceTime, but you can do that on a phone, right? If you can't do FaceTime, at least listen to their voice. Because that is a part of them. When you see their face, it's like, well, I'm really interacting. Or when you hear their voice, you're really interacting. So much context gets lost over text. We, we think our relationships grow, you know, on the bounds of like hearts and, and likes and texts and shares. But you need to get with that friend and hear their voice and see their face. Jesus spent time with his disciples. He didn't say, go read this book. He spent time with them walking with them. He spent time eating with them. And look, I know like with work schedules, it's crazy. And maybe if it's just once a month, make time for that. If it's just once a quarter, make time for that because you need that strengthening of relationship in your life. It takes time. You, you can't microwave it. This is, this is a crock pot recipe. You got to put it on low and let it, let it simmer for eight hours. And we want to try to microwave things. But it takes time. It takes time being present. It takes time communicating. It takes time giving permission and being present. And this last one, these first two are null and void, guys. If you don't do this last one, give permission, be present. And we have to be willing to be open. When you give them permission and you allow them to speak into your life, you have to be open to receive it. Because that's where the change takes place. We want to impress people with our strengths. But the truth is, is we connect with people in our weaknesses. We can impress people with our strengths, but we really connect people through our weaknesses, through our holes. We have to be vulnerable. Brene Brown is another great writer. I encourage you to read anything that she's written. She talks about the power of vulnerability and authenticity, and that's where real strength comes in. And, and if you look at even with Jesus' resurrected body, Jesus has been buried, and he comes back. Thomas believes that Jesus is who he is, not because he sees him, but because he puts his hand in his side in the wound and he puts the hand, his finger in the hole in his hand. And I heard this pastor say one time, Jesus doesn't get, people don't get to Jesus through your perfections. They get to Jesus through the holes in your life because that's where he's working in you. But, and for guys especially, like to be honest, like men, we probably need this so much more at times, but we're also so very guarded because it's in us to kind of be competitive and it's in us to be guarded, but that's so unhealthy and we're not able to live up to the potential that God has for us and we're not able to be who God created us to be without us being able to be open, to be vulnerable. And it's not a sign of weakness. Weakness is covering it up because we don't have to deal with it. Strength is opening it up so that we can deal with it. Amen. And so for some of you in here, like I'm saying all this, you're like, Stephen, but I don't, I don't really have any friends. I don't know who I could ask to be the one to speak truth. I don't know who I could ask to be the one to, 
to encourage me, and some of you may have had that, and, and you, you're here today, and um, you've been hurt, and so there's some bitterness in your heart. You're jaded. Come back next week. We're talking about the power of forgiveness in our life. And here, here's what I know is that you may feel like you're alone, but you're not. There's one, you know, as children's pastor, we used to teach our kids that and ask them, do you want to make Jesus your friend? And that's how we had entered into a conversation about salvation. Do you want to make Jesus your friend? And sometimes as, as adults, that can seem kind of trite and elementary or childish. But in all honesty, all sitting here, we could all use a friend like him. Because he makes a promise. He tells the disciples, he says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you or abandon you. In fact, I will be with you until the ends of the earth. And what's crazy is, is Jesus says this, but David prophesies this in, in Psalm 139 when he says, he says, I can't get away from your presence, Lord. He says, I can make my bed in the grave and you're there. I could go to the very ends of the earth or and you're there. I wake up in the morning, and you're there. I walk along the side of the road, and you're there. I sit down, you're there. I go to bed, you're there. See, David understood that, and Jesus echoed that when he said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll be with you until the ends of the earth, and then he makes this other statement to the disciples. He says, he says, greater love has no one than this, to lay one's life down for their friends. That's exactly what he's done for you. He told the disciples, I call you friends. And so some of you in here, you need him as your friend. You've been abandoned by those who said they were your friend and said they had your back, but when they had your back, they had a knife in your back, right? And you felt betrayed. And you have a hard time building those new relationships. We put up walls, we put up barriers to keep people out, but at the same time, we keep Jesus out. And so I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. I just want you to think for a minute. I ask you to make that list of friends and really in all honesty, the friend that I, I want you to have on there most is not the friend you've had since high school or college, but the friend who gave his life for you. Well, that you even knowing it or really even asking. He did it because he wanted to. And you simply enter into that friendship and that relationship by, by saying, Jesus, I give you my life. He's already given you his. There's nothing else he can do. And he's just simply asking for your life in return. You don't have to clean up. You don't have to fix up. You don't have to get it all right. You don't have to get it all perfect. You just simply come to him as you are. And he takes your hand and he walks with you. And if that's you here today, and you're like, you know what? I need a relationship with Jesus. I need to give him my life. Just in a moment, I'm gonna ask you just to slip your hand right up and you can put it right back down. I'm just asking you to do that right now. If, if, if you say, Stephen, I need a relationship with God, would you just lift your hand and put it right back down? No one looking around and the most important person that sees it is the one you're starting a relationship with this morning. All right, look up here at me, guys. For those of you who raised your hand or those of you who lifted your heart, it says that all those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. There's no second guessing. There's no doubting. It is done. And it says whoever, all those. Guess what that means? I looked it up in the Greek and the Hebrew. It means whoever. 
everyone, regardless of what you think about yourself, Jesus has given his all for you. So in a moment, I'm going to pray, and you're simply just going to say, God, I'm sorry. I ask you to forgive me. I give you my life. I trust to follow you. You don't have to repeat after me. It's not my words, but it's yours. So let's pray together. Father, I just come to you this morning. God, I thank you so much for the lives that are changed this morning. God, we thank you for your presence in this room. God, we thank you for your word. God, help us to build the relationships that we need. And God, for those that lifted their hands and lifted their heart today, making you making you their best friend. God, I pray that as they give you their life this morning, you take it and you make it new, just as your word says. The God, that all the all the guilt, all the shame, all the fear, God, you cover it. Your word says that all those who are in Christ are a new creation. All the old is gone and all is made new. So, Father, I ask that you silence the voice of the enemies that tells them that they are not who you say they are. God, that you would magnify your voice in their life. That they would know that they are chosen that they are loved, that they are more than a conqueror. And God, that you would place relationships around them. God, remove the ones that need to be removed and bring in the ones that they need to call out the best in them, to strengthen them, to tell them the truth. God, that's our prayer for all of us. God, that we would walk in community with those who have the same values. God, with, with, with those that, that strengthen us, but also give us opportunities to be that as well. So, Father, we thank you for what's been done today. And it's in your name we pray. And everyone says, amen. Come on, let's give God a hand clap this morning.